Well, after our Bundesliga-inspired Christmas break, we are back. It's the Armchair Managers podcast, where we take a look at the world of football on a weekly basis. I'm your host, Ross Evans, with my co-host, Dan Newton. Hello. And it's been, it's been a long while, isn't it, Dan? We've been away for well, about three weeks. Yeah, yeah, about three. that. Had, a, like you said, a little uh, winter break. Had to get the fitness back. Get raring yeah. to go again now. A lot Recharge happened. the battery. Yeah, plenty to talk about. Of course, we're not going to be able to cover everything that's been going on. I mean, there's been some controversy. Our favourite VAR rearing its ugly head, giving little kids coal for Christmas in place of their presents. Yeah, uh, uh, we, we may have gone away, but VAR certainly didn't. And uh, yeah, v- it's going to be here for a long time, I think. Like a bad smell, it hung around, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. So... You know, what's changed? So much has changed in football. So much hasn't changed. Man United is still winning games through Bruno Fernandes' VAR penalties. Liverpool, top top of the league. And then, as we'll get into later, such a tight league this season, shaping up to be anyway. Will we see some teams drop off? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. who knows? It's, uh, I think it's shaping up to be a, a really excellent 2021 and a much more exciting Premier League year. That maybe we've been used to. I'm looking forward to you know getting into it. Yeah, it could be one of the tightest seasons we have seen in a long time. So without further ado, let's start by addressing the Premier League table. Um, what do you think of how the table's shaping up so far? Yeah, um, like I said, I think it's a lot more interesting than past couple of seasons. A lot more teams are up there and kind of competing for the title in top four, and it's just it's so tight, sort of all around the table that. I think it's kind of anyone's game still, which is, I think, fantastic to see. Yeah, and, you know, as we see, looking at the table, the top 10, all separated by seven points. So just a win in one game while a result goes their way can see a team rocket up the table. Um, And every team at points looks like they will slip up this season you know you also see Aston Villa in seventh have got two games in hand you know teams have played 17 uh, some have played 16 Aston Villa there on 15 um it's it's unpredictable and I guess that's in part as well because games are being cancelled due to Covid breaches um and you know being called off due to Covid-19 which unfortunately is still going on still affecting the world but yeah, it's it's really tight, isn't it? Yeah, like you said, you just said, it's like it could all change by the end of the season or even by the end of the month with how tight it is and teams having game in hand. And I think it really puts into context, you know, a lot of teams we've looked at and said, oh, they're doing terribly. But, you know, Arsenal, for example, but you look at them, yeah. they're only like six points off fourth place and they've had a yeah. terrible season. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's kind of remarkable how even with how bad some teams have been, they've still got a real opportunity of having a good finish. Yeah, it's, and it's, you know, United now up in second behind Liverpool on goal difference. Um, As I will caveat here as a Liverpool fan, Gary Neville and Rio Ferdinand, just so you know, boys, you celebrated second place, not joint first. There is a difference. (laughs) So, uh, but, you know, we look at the top four alone, Liverpool top, um, which is Liverpool fan we love to see, but 
I will again have to caveat that is Liverpool are the only team to be top at Christmas and not win the league, so it doesn't mean much at yeah. the moment. And he's, he's a little bit of a unconvincing Liverpool side, at least right now. You know, they've dropped a lot of points that you definitely would not have expected them to. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk about Liverpool against Newcastle, they looked piss poor. Yeah, they, they looked toothless. You know, they just couldn't find that goal, yeah. which for all, I think they had like a ridiculous amount of possession, but they still yeah. just couldn't get the result, which the one thing we've kind of associated with Liverpool over the last kind of two or three years now is that even when they don't play well, they still manage to get that goal to get the result and get into the top of the league. Yeah, that's it's kind of that champions thing, isn't it? It's being able to snatch that winning goal in a poor game or a tough game, which, as much as I hate to say it, the red scum from Manchester have been doing really well at, over the last last five or six games. They're just pulling away slightly from the pack in their terms of performance because they, you know, even when they're not playing well, they're doing that champions thing of getting a goal yeah definitely they're managing to kind of grind out results and you know i know a lot of people still aren't convinced by you know ollie or the manager and i know they've got loads of issues with pogba off the field and his contract yeah. and his agent but despite all that they're still managing to get the results you know you look at the awards game or a couple of weeks ago now where you know they they score in the last minute thanks to a you know a deflected goal you know and it's yeah it's things like that that push you over the edge to win a title yeah and you know the pickup in their form has been remarkable. Do do you think that the sort of clearing the air over Pogba is almost helped the United team? Do you think that was something that was not knowing what one of their star players wanted, where he was going to be? Does he want to play for the team? Now, do you think that they seem to know where he stands? Do you think that's actually helped him? Because he looks like his head's clearer as well. He's playing much better. Possibly, yeah. I think, you know, United have got a really interesting question into like how they put their midfield together because I mean, they have a lot of talented midfielders and how you get Pogba and Bruno into the same team has always been a tricky question. But I do think you're right that now that he kind of knows that he'll almost certainly be off, you know, sure, if my United win a title, does that change? I don't know. But him kind of having a bit of find that sort of knowing where his my United journey might end is I think definitely got him more concentrated in performing a lot better yeah it's you know he's we know he's a talented player maybe slightly on the overhyped a talented player but not that level talented not you know the way he's talked about he's up there with your you know if Messi and Ronaldo and Neymar and Mbappe your elites he's sort of just on the level below in terms of hype maybe not quite there in terms certainly form I just think his form has been off for a while and that could contribute to it. But I think he know, has he... maybe underachieved when it's come to club football. I think when you look at yeah. his, you know, his international record with France, it's incredible. You know, he's definitely achieved great things to them. I mean, he won a World Cup, which is the pinnacle of every player's career. And I don't think yeah. that should be understated. And I think it's how he replicates those performances he has for France for the club sides that I think is really yeah. gonna define the rest of his career. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they continue to play. But a team that... The next team in third, always bit, they've been up and about since nearly getting relegated. You know, coming back to win the title the next season, now a sort of regular European contender is Leicester. 
Now, they've played the most games out of the top five and sat still a point behind first and second, but they look good again this season, don't they? Yeah, they have, yeah. You know, they've got their system that they play, and I think they've got a good squad now of, you know, good quality. And yeah. I just think that, you know, Leicester are definitely up there, um, whether it's competing for, um, you know, top four or even the title. I think, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were pushing, you know, Liverpool and Man United right to the edge. Yeah, and who, I mean, whoever, if they do win a trophy this season, whoever discovered uh, Wesley Fofana needs his uh, a personalised medal because, or whoever's in charge of their recruitment in general, they, you know, they've found some cracking young players, you know, Barnes coming through the academy and show, you know, sort of picking up where he left off at the end of last season, looking really impressive. And as I say, Wesley Fofana in defence looking incredible. Yeah, I mean, you go, you know, back to Mares and Kante when they were first at Leicester. You know, they've made yeah. some really good signings since they've been in the Premier League, and they're getting their awards right now. Obviously, won the title a couple of years ago, and like you said, are kind of a regular in a European competitions, which it's always good to see. You know, it's always nice to have a shake up from the traditional top six. Yeah, um, and speaking of a team that maybe ten to twelve years ago weren't in the this sort of picture. Uh, Tottenham sitting fourth on 29 points. Um, again, Tottenham at the moment is just the Kane and Son show, really, isn't it? Yeah, you know, um, like I said, I, I've said it a lot in these episodes, I'm a big fan of Mourinho and I like his first side a lot. I think maybe the last month or so, they've not been as exciting as maybe they were at the start of the season. Um, yeah. But definitely, you know, they're still right up there and I think for Spurs with the squad they have in comparison to the rest of the league, I think top four should definitely be where they're kind of aiming for. Yeah. Do you think that Mourinho is maybe just a little bit uh, the old Mourinho from the 04-05 Chelsea Mourinho, where he sort of went and smashed all the teams outside the top four, top five. But when it came up to the big boys, so to speak, it was a sort of, Let's sit back and defend, and if we nick a goal, we nick a goal, but the aim is to just not lose. Do you think there's a little element of that creeping in? Yeah, definitely. I think for Mourinho, it's always a really fine balance between, you know, his teams that are fantastic sort of counter-attacking football teams and his teams that sit back and park the bus. You know, I think yeah. he's always going to walk that fine line, and sometimes it's really entertaining, and you see, you know, Kane and Son, you know, scoring, you know, loads of goals, and other times it's you know, a boring nil-nil. So I think, it, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a tight line that he walks, but I, I like him. I like him off the pitch. I think he's a, a very entertaining manager. Yeah, if you want further Mourinho entertainment, if you've got Instagram, go and follow him because the photos he takes and some of the captions he puts on them are spectacular. That He's thoroughly entertaining. Yeah, but, but best it. Instagram in football, I think, Mourinho. Oh, yeah, I think it is. Other. Just the dry wit and just sarcasm he puts into his pictures is is incredible yeah he's, he's really good yeah um sitting in fifth now moving on uh again two games in hand over leicester one game in hand over tottenham united and liverpool's manchester city you sort of came back from that early season slump thanks in this you know no small parts of the incredible form and partnership between john stones and ruben diaz yeah, they've they've been fantastic. Um, I definitely asked a lot of questions about them at the start of the season. I thought they were underachieving, like a lot of teams did. But 
definitely yeah. you know over the christmas periods they've been incredible and i think looking up you know the fixtures they have to come i wouldn't be surprised if they went on a, a really long winning run because mm. they look impenetrable at the back now and yeah as we know this man city team that they're electric going forward as well and yeah it was a real surprise to see john stones back um i think a lot of people thought his man city career was over but uh he's shown you know i don't know what he's done in training to get in that team but he's definitely a big part of it now and yeah i think man city are a real title contenders I mean, it's not just what he's doing in training, it's what he's doing on the pitch as well. He's become one of the Premier League's top centre-halves. Um, and it's good to see us from an England perspective as well for the international team, with centre-half being a, arguably a bit of a problem position. He's finally sort of showing that um, ability that we all know he had, but just couldn't seem to, you know, couldn't seem to quite reach it when he needed it. Yeah, you know, it looked like Guardiola was kind of done with him and... You know, they were always out trying to buy centre-halves, but like you said, the fact that he's been able to come in and show the manager that he can do it and he can do it at the top level is really promising both for him and, like you said, for England. And hopefully yeah. we, we don't have to keep watching right-backs play at centre-back. <laughs> hopefully not. Um, but outside of then the top five, you've still got Everton on 29 points, Aston Villa on 26 with on only on 15 games. Chelsea in eighth, having had a little bit of a drop off. Southampton in ninth, and West Ham in tenth. Um, those remaining four on twenty-six points. Any surprises in that sort in that top half of the table? Um, I mean, I think a lot of surprises. You know, I think Everton have done tremendously well. You know, they had a bit of a blip, and I know at the start of the season, everyone was like, "Oh, you know, they're title contenders," but you know, they've kind of. I think come back to reality a little bit and I think sixth is still a really good spot for them. Um yeah. the the biggest surprise has to be Aston Villa. Uh, I don't think anyone yeah. expected them to do as well as they have done. But they've been yeah. tremendous really. Um obviously had that huge win against Liverpool. But I think yeah. in every game they've played they've they've been consistent and they've achieved results really well. And I think, you know, if they could get in the top four or even top six, I think that'd be a fantastic achievement. Yeah, I mean I've got to say Dean Smith's done a brilliant job with Villa, you know, considering how much they spent when they first returned to the Premier League and, you know, how poorly some of those players performed and they've been a bit more careful with their spending and then, you know, they know which play clearly he must know which players are the ones who weren't performing because they're not featuring this season. And the players who are performing and who want to play are in the squad and they're playing fantastically i think ross barkley was a brilliant signing and jack Grealish has again been one of the highlights of the premier league yeah definitely and i think the only question mark around villa is what will happen now when you know the bigger teams come looking to sign you know you know jack Grealish. i know it's been linked to man united a couple of times over the years and yeah if they lose someone like him you know you'd think it'd be very difficult for them to come back but um yeah you know i i hope he stays there for at least till the end of the season and really see how high Villa can go. Yeah. Um, speaking of teams, you know, moving from teams even that were on their high to teams on the low, we look at the bottom five and you can almost say 15th as well, but certainly we'll include 15th because, you know, they're below 20 points. Um, you've got Newcastle in 15th on 19 points, Burnley on 16 Brighton and Hove Albion on 14, Fulham on 11, West Brom on 8, 
and Sheffield United with the worst start in Premier League history on two points. Yeah, it's, Question... it's not gone well for Sheffield United. It has not. Now, 17 games in, 21 games left of the season. Do you think it is possible that Sheffield United could break the record set by Derby County for a lowest ever Premier League to- points total? I mean, like you said, they've had the worst start, so obviously it could happen. Um, I hope it doesn't happen because I think, you know, last season they were so good and it'd be a, a shame for this to be how their kind of Premier League journey ends for now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, crazy things have happened and you look at the way they're playing and it really would not surprise you. I mean, two points after 17 games. Like, I, you'd have to get that by accident. Like, that, that's remarkable how yeah. badly they've done. Um, yeah, two draws, 15 losses. They've only scored eight goals and have conceded 29. Um, surprisingly, be it, despite having the worst points, to, that's not the worst for goals conceded. That title belongs to West Brom, who've conceded 39. Yeah. Which, but it's what what's gone? What do you think has gone wrong for Sheffield United? Well, I think it's scoring goals. That's the issue. Um, Eight goals all season after 17 games. You know, you're not going to do anything like that. I think maybe the strikers aren't performing. You know, they signed Rian Brewster for a lot of money, who's unproven at Premier League level and hasn't really performed, it's fair to say. Um, I don't think he's played. No, I mean, he's played a little bit, but even when he has played, you know, he hasn't played well. And the rest of the striking options just aren't Premier League quality, I don't think. And... I think maybe, you know, the way they play, they're quite defensive sometimes. You know, they're very workmanlike. Yeah. I think maybe they yeah. miss that kind of creativity that's going to create chances for those strikers. But yeah, it's, it's definitely in scoring goals that they've struggled. Yeah. And, you know, they're sticking with Chris Wilder so far. It's going to be tough to for them to, you would think, to stick with them much longer. Yeah, but you, you th- think so. I I don't know, I think Sheffield United's one of those clubs where, for being honest, they're definitely overachieving just by being in the Premier League, you know, with their kind of financial outlay, isn't as much as the other Premier League clubs. And I think for them, there might be a case of, well, even if they get relegated, Chris Wilde is probably the best fit for that club to either, you know, just keep him obviously in the championship and have another go at getting promoted. Yeah, it's, you know, even if they somehow stave this off, I'd I, I personally, I don't know if they'll stick with Wilder. As much as I hate the sort of chop and change merry merry go round of managers in the, in the Premier League, um, his system's clearly not wa- working, and I don't anymore. Or something's gone wrong with it, and he doesn't look like he knows how he's going to fix it. Um, having said that, I believe the transfer window is now open or close to opening. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's open get, now, yeah. Yeah, so perhaps we may see him bring a couple of players in who can fix the system. And having said that, it brings us into quite nicely onto our next segment of transfer talk. So why not start with Sheffield United? Is there any positions that you think that Sheffield United need to strengthen? Is there, have they got any chance of staying up? Well, like we said, I think they need to score goals and whether they do that by bringing in a striker or maybe a creative midfielder to create more chances I think that's definitely the area they need to focus on is creating and scoring goals because 
if they don't do that, then they have got no chance of staying up because, you know, defensively they're, you know, not great, but they're not the worst. And I definitely think that if they could at least have something up front, then they'd at least give themselves a chance of, I mean, maybe not staying up, but, you know, making a more of an effort towards it. Yeah, I mean, who who have they got up front at the moment? They've got David McGoldrick. Yeah, um, like Ream Brewster we mentioned, Ollie McBurney. Mm, see, none of those strikers particularly, you don't think, wow. Yeah, no. there's the other one as well, isn't there? Is it Burke or something? The quick one? But again, Burke, it, yeah, then I they're believe not... he's a midfielder, I believe. Okay, I thought I, thought I saw or his did they, up or front did they sell times. him? No, they might have sold him to West Brom, actually. I think they've sold Oliver Burke. Have they? Okay. What? What? Where is like? Even if he's there or not, you know, they're not, not great strikers. No, you, you, I mean Oliver Burke, the way he's played at West Brom, not they've not missed him too much. He's not been a fantastic uh, acquisition at uh, West Brom. So, I think they do need to look at some a striker with a bit more pace about them because they've got the aerial ability but they don't seem to have much pace to get in line. Uh, you are correct by the way he is he has transferred Oliver but did transfer to Sheffield United it's the other way around but yeah yeah um, I, th- I thought they had him um but yeah it's him it's people like um I think Liz Mousset is there as well but he's maybe yeah. more of a winger and yeah I just I think you're right you know they just they lack a bit of pace and, and I think quality as well and I think you know it's one of the places that the players that they have that have quality are probably too slow, and the players that they have that have pace don't have the quality. It's um, yeah. one of those situations where it is tricky, and you know I don't know who they'd get in to really replace them because obviously everyone. strikers uh, are like the hardest thing to get. Um, yeah, I... it's difficult, you know. I think they're gonna they're gonna probably raid the championship, and I think that you know Brentford have because Brentford have a fantastic um, policy for signing players. You know, you look at the players who come up: Sadban Rama, Neil Mope, and Ivan Tony is playing really well. Yeah, for, I mean Ivan Tony's um, been well known as a lower league striker for a number of yeah. years. And I, I think with the uh, transfer policy that Sheffield United have been showing. I think we might see them perhaps make a move um, for someone like him. Um, I don't think they've, as we said, talk about their financial situation, I don't think they've quite got the pulling power to pull away a player from another Premier League team, or certainly not a proven striker who can get them goals from another, from a Premier League team. Um, yeah, I, th- I think if they're going to sign anyone, it's going to be from the Championship or... I'll have to yep. look abroad, but I don't really know what their kind of scouting system is. So I can't say, you know, who they'd go after. They need yeah. a striker, whoever it is. I think they probably need another centre-back as well. I know they've had some injury problems at the back, um, but it's not just scoring goals, it's conceding goals as well. Like, you can score as many, you can score three or four a game, but if you're conceding five, you still lose. So um, I think probably another centre-half as well. And someone with a bit of experience at Premier League level, you know, I know they've got Phil Jagielka, but that's not working out, is it? So, no, he's he's got a bit too much experience. Yeah. I think he's kind of passed it a little bit. And for God's sake, please sell Jack Rodwell. What does he do? 
He hasn't made a single appearance all season. Like, as as a, as a footballer, like, what does he do? It's what just, does he bring you know, to what does he bring to any team? It's just nice to have around in training, you know. <laughs> yeah. He's probably just a nice bloke and that's why they signed him. Yeah. I think there's a lot oh, of players that are on the like that. He'll he'll cheer up the boys. He's he's a oh, oh he used to be could have been so good, Jack Rodwell, and now oh, I doubt we'll see him kick a ball again in the Premier League. Yeah, I'd be or surprised. In the, yeah, or in the championship. Yeah, it's not working out for him there, and you know I think they definitely need to move his wages on and get someone else in because, like you said, he's just a waste of a position right now. Yeah. Um, speaking of a team who've been more enjoyable to watch than Sheffield United um, over the last certainly three weeks, where their forms really picked up and they looked like a Premier League team again, is Arsenal, who find themselves in eleventh place. Now, we've seen them play a lot more of the young players, you know, Emil Smith-Rowe, Saka taking a, a larger role, Willock making appearances. Um, do you think they need some more signings there just to back them up? Because, you know, some of the old older players clearly aren't cutting it. Yeah, um, I mean, I think Arsenal is a bit of a, you know, a, a larger project where there's going to have to be a lot of kind of deadwood moved out and you know, bringing in new players, but also playing the youngsters. You know, we did kind of a, a bigger episode on Arsenal before we had a break. Well, you know, I, I don't want to say I told you so, but I did say, you know, stick to a system, play the youth players, and things might get a bit better. And, well, that's what's happened. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think for Arsenal, they've kind of turned the corner now. At least I hope they have, whether they are playing, you know, consistently kind of good football, and they're giving opportunities to these younger players. And, again, I think... I think defensively they do need help, maybe another centre back. But we've been saying that for yeah. a, a very long time. Um, in midfield as well, I know they've got Partey who's been very injured, but he's a good player. Yeah. So yeah, I think Arsenal, you know, definitely need to sign players. But I think you know, giving opportunities to these youngsters and kind of filling in a couple of gaps. But I think it really depends on who leaves Arsenal. It's what's going to dictate their transfer policy. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised to hear that they are considering, if not have agreed with the player to sell William Saliba. He's not made a single appearance. Um, and with defenders who haven't performed particularly well, like David Luiz, who's who can play well, who's not particularly consistent. Uh, Rob Holding again has played a lot of games, but can he's not quite at the level. Squadron Mustafi, who's been a bit of an outcast this way. Why are they selling a promising young centre-back who still has plenty of room to develop? I don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, what I've heard is that he's going out on loan um, rather than permanently, which maybe they think he needs you know, more game time and they can give it to him at Arsenal. But I know, you know, speaking to Arsenal fans, they're desperate to have him in the team and it, it is strange that, you know, these players like Smith Rowe are getting opportunities, but he isn't. And that, that just seems odd to me, like give him a chance if it goes wrong then take him out of the team and move him on but you'll never know unless he actually gets the opportunity yeah and it's been good to see Gabriel Martinelli come back for Arsenal wasn't it because you know he's probably been one of the club's most exciting players since he's returned yeah definitely I think you know the bits he played last season everyone could see that he is you know he's got quality and he's an exciting player 
obviously he had that terrible injury, but hopefully he's back now and he can get you know back to form and play consistently because I think the more games he plays, the the better he's going to get. Mm. Um, so considering Arsenal, what you know they've been linked to um, Awa from Leon. Do you think that's a good signing for them? You know, someone who, uh, someone who can control the ball, dictate the player has a bit more energy to play alongside Xhaka or so, or maybe even El Nenny? Uh, potentially, yeah. I think, you know, they have lacked a bit of creativity over the season. You know, we've talked about Ozil coming back in, but, you know, I don't think that's going to happen at this point. Uh, I think it's probably too far gone. So, yeah, yeah, I think he could definitely fill that role. And, I mean, he's a good player. I, I don't think he's having the, the best of seasons right now um, from what I've been reading, but, you know, he showed that he does have the quality. And I think, you know, he's the kind of player that Arsenal would have signed, you know, under Wenger. He fits that mould of, he's kind of French, you know, very sort of technically gifted footballers. And, yeah. you know, I think he would be a good signing. Yeah. And I think we can both agree that they need to sign, if they're going to play a front three, sign an actual left winger. Don't play Aubameyang there. It yeah. worked when Arsenal were playing well because that created uh, the other players were able to make were making the correct runs to create space for Aubameyang to cut in onto his right foot, which we know is lethal. But that space isn't there. The op- opportunities aren't there, and you're just wasting one of the top number nines by playing him out of position in a system that doesn't suit him. Bring him back into the centre and sign a left winger, I think, is something that Arsenal need to do. Yeah, or, or even put, you know, uh, Martinelli out there on the left and yeah. play him in that position and Aubameyang through the middle. I know they've kind of experimented with Lacazette maybe playing as a 10, but um, I don't know. I think he's more of a backup striker to Aubameyang. And uh, no, I, yeah. I, I do agree with you that Aubameyang should be played through the middle. Yeah, and that signing another left winger, maybe not even someone who's better than Martinelli, because Martinelli is proving he can do it. Have him as your starting winger, but bring in cover, because if he if he's injured, the way, way he's been playing, you're going to notice. Yeah, yeah and definitely. With Saka playing a sort of full-back, wing-back role, you then have to rely on someone else to fill that position. Saka can't do both at the same time. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think Saka's played off the right as well, so yeah. he's kind of filling in everywhere. Um, but yeah, I think they definitely need... I think, you know, for Saka's a good example, actually, that they need to, you know, have clear positions for everyone because, you know, Saka has yeah. been their, arguably their best player this year. And I think they yeah. just need to go, you're going to play left wing for us or you're going to play right wing or you're going to play left back. Like, I think he needs to really define his position or, else, you know, he's going to end up playing everywhere and not really developing in the right way, if you know if you know what I mean. Yeah, and you know, we see that mate with Maitland Niles as well, who's been playing well, don't get me wrong, but he's played on the right and on the left. And you never know which side he's really gonna pop up on. So a defined position and allowed to understand that position in their system, I think will allow Arsenal as a club to really move forward and have a strong second half of the season. Yeah, I agree. Um Moving on, currently top of the tables, we look at Liverpool. An injury hit Liverpool. Now, who? it's an interesting one with the signings that Liverpool could make, isn't it? That They could probably attract big names. I know they've been linked with David Alaba from Bayern. Um, there was rumours of Sven Botman from Lille. 
I believe, but that has now been quashed. They it's just rumours, as it always is. Um, you know, issues with Wijnaldum's contract. Um, we're hoping he's going to sign because I think he's a talented player and it'd be, it would be a great loss to the team to miss his energy in midfield. What sign? Do you agree with some of those signings that are thinking centre backs and maybe maybe another midfielder, maybe another forward, um, or do you think that the squad? It's a case of the squad's okay. It's just some players' form needs to pick up. Uh, no, I think they need a centre back. Um, it's pretty obvious, you know. Van Dijk's injured for the rest of the season. They clearly miss him. Uh, they yeah. miss Fabinho in midfield as well. Um, so yeah, they need a top class centre back. It's, I yeah. think it, you know it's, it's simple to say. I don't know who they'd go out and get. You know, Upamecano potentially. It's what I've heard from a lot of clubs, but he's been linked to pretty much everyone. So. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to say who exactly they'll get, but yeah, a centre back has to be their top priority. Yeah, and you know, Matip has shown that when he can, he can command a back four and he can perform. But unfortunately, he is made of paper. Like he just every, plays three games, picks up a knock, he's out for four. Um, and when he goes, that leaves Fabinho and one of the young lads, either Nat Phillips or uh, Reese Williams, who've played well. But they've, you know, been impressive for young players getting their first minutes in top-level competition. But you know, you can't rely, particularly with a big game against Manchester United coming up, you probably don't want them having to deal with a in-form Rashford, Bruno Fernandes, Martial, Pogba. It's, it's not going to be an easy game. Yeah, it'd be a, a big ask for them to, you know, perform in the bigger games. But I think you know, with Thiago coming back into the team. They can maybe get away with, you know, Fabinho playing centre back. I know they're different players, but you know, you could still have a good midfield of sort of uh, Thiago, Henderson, Wijnaldum, and you know, have Fabinho at centre back. So I think they do need to just go out and get one, you know, top quality centre back to partner Fabinho. Yeah, and I think they probably need to move on some Deadwood as well, didn't they? Um... With how Keller has performed, I could see Adrian maybe being sold. Yeah, yeah, they, he's not um, only reliable at the level Liverpool are at. Yeah, I could certainly see someone like Shakiri being moved on. I just he's not quite giving what you'd expect from a player of his. Looking at the clubs he's played for, minus Stoke. He's had a, got a pretty good career resume, and I think maybe Chamberlain could be sold as well. Not quite showing his explosiveness at the moment. Yeah, I think maybe he's you know struggling to get fit and get that run of games that he probably needs. Um, yeah, because he obviously had that huge injury that he's I think probably still coming back from. Yeah, for, yeah, you. I'd probably put a Rigi on that list of sales as well. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a. a a lot of transfers Liverpool could do and definitely in sort of filling up the depth of their squad with better quality players but I honestly I think their biggest priority will be just getting a centre-back and trying to make do with what else they've got so I don't know how much money they'll have to spend with everything that's gone on this year but I think yeah. if they spend you know 40 50 million on a centre-back then I don't know what else they'll have to bring in other players yeah which is probably why it's so important to try and move on the uh Deadwood players or the ones who haven't featured, you know, certainly on form, I'd argue Minamino hasn't been quite at it. 
but he still shows flashes. It's like he is. It's more like he's a good player who's just in a poor run of form rather than a poor player. So, I'm yeah, hoping... I, I think it's difficult to kind of write him off. Yeah, I think he does need more time, and I think yeah, he's a decent squad player for Liverpool. I don't think he's ever going to be a starter, but I think he can definitely be a squad player for them. Yeah, certainly, and you know he's played different positions. He's played through the middle, on the left, on the right, in the midfield three as well. So I think once he's settled into a position, then probably looking at a good, a good, a good squad player there. Yeah, hopefully, anyway, for Liverpool. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, um, and moving on, to sort of final teams to look at for transfers. Um. United, I think, is one that we should probably talk about, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, United are always linked to transfers because they're such a huge club. So there's always stuff to talk about. Yeah. Um, you know, they've, they're playing really well recently. Um, what do you think they need to bring in? Uh, for me, and I, I think a lot of United fans would agree with this. Um, I'm not a United fan, but um, I think they need another centre-back as well. You know, I know United fans aren't really happy with Maguire and Lindelof as a pairing because they lack pace. And I think, you know, Eric Bailly's come in and played well, but he's got a terrible injury record. And yeah. there's questions around, you know, if he is fit, will Oli even play him? You know, because he's always preferred Maguire and Lindelof. But, um, yeah. yeah, I think if they could get a centre-back with pace to partner either Maguire or Lindelof, then I think they could become a much better team. Yeah, I think they would be struggling in the same way Liverpool would, though, is that there's no sort of cheaper alternatives, is there? There's no, there's no someone that you could sign for a lesser fee who's performing well. Unfortunately, all the sort of top centre-backs now do command a staggering transfer fees. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a difficult window for the top clubs, is, especially in that position. You know, we've seen Man City struggle for a couple of years to really sign a top-class centre-back. So now that you know a lot of clubs are going to be competing to get whoever's left, then he is going to be harder. And um, one thing I'd say about United is, you know, obviously with Pogba knowing that he's probably going to leave in the summer, there's potentially kind of swap deals or things like that they could do. You know, maybe Pogba to Madrid and Varane and maybe some other money the other way. You know, something like that. Yeah. Potentially see happening. But um, no, it's going to be a difficult window to find that quality they need. Yeah. Do you, do you think we'll maybe see more action from United in terms of sales? You know, Phil Jones and Marcus Rojo haven't made a single appearance between them this season. Um, they've got four keepers. I think Sergio Romero is the most likely to be moved on. You know, I think this. Do you think there's going to be a window where we see more selling from United rather than buying, or do you think it'll be a case of get out of the deadwood, similar to Liverpool, get out of the deadwood and bring in use that money to bring in one or two top players or potential to be top players. Yeah, I think there's definitely going to be going for quality over quantity. And I think, like you said, with Liverpool getting rid of maybe some squad players to bring in one or two first teamers, I think has to be the priority for them. Um, especially at centre-back, you know, like you said, they've, they've got maybe four centre-backs that aren't playing in the team at all. Um which they need to replace with maybe one that's going to start. So it's, yeah, it's a difficult window for them. But um, I think if they do get that top-class centre-back, then 
they really will be, you know, competing with Liverpool for the title. Yeah. Um, and the, also losing Odion Agarlo is loan ends in January, I believe, or end of the month. So do you think with Cavani suspended for three games, do you think that they'll bring in a lo- a someone on loan, perhaps, again, look to make a loan signing just to give them another option up front? Because else that leaves Martial, Rashford and Greenwood. Um, I know they are linked with, or have they completed the signing of a Mads Diallo Traore? Um, yeah, I think it's. I think that they have signed him, but I don't know if he's arriving yet. Um, I think he's more of a right winger, though. So right. wouldn't be a replacement for Regalo. So, so with that in mind, do you think that there would be potential for a loan move from United in in January, or we just do you think they'll sort of play with what they've got? Yeah, I think they're fine with what they've got up front. Um, you know, I think with Cavani when he comes back from his suspension, they should be all right. I think, you know, Martial maybe hasn't scored as many goals as he maybe should have, but he's still performing well. You know, Rashford's doing well. Greenwood's turned it around a little bit. You know, he's still a young player, so he's going to improve. So yeah. I think they'll be all right. Um, I don't know if they've got any more players in the academy that could step up, but no, I don't think striker is really where Man United need to be worried. No, I mean, as with the amount of penalties they're getting, I think Bruno Fernandes will do them just fine anyway. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Bruno Fernandes has been maybe the, one of the best players in the Premier League this year. You know, he's I th- been unbelievable. I think he has been numbers-wise, I think. And certainly, the if we're speaking about numbers, he's a top, top player. Um, I believe he's got something, 11 goals? 11 goals and 7 assists in 16 appearances in the Premier League. Yeah, he's been so unbelievable. That, that's more than just over one goal involvement a game. That's that's really, really good numbers. Yeah, um, no, he's, he's been fantastic. Yeah, and the way they're playing, the way he's playing, the influence he's had on the team as well. I think he's a leader. Um, and I really hate talking him up, but that probably does put him as one of the top, if not the top player in his position um, in the Premier League at the moment just for his numbers and his influence and what he's done for this United team. He's he's carried them at times. Yeah, I mean, he's the kind of player you'd probably associate with the older United teams, you know, the ones that were winning titles every year. You know, he's that kind of player that, you know, yeah. United just haven't had over recent seasons. And I think you're right, he's definitely changed that team completely from what they were into, well, title contenders. Yeah. Um, you know, there's also a bit of a mention for Scott McTominay um, whose form has looked better behind him as well as I said that's the I think that's the influence that Fernandez has in everyone around him plays better but please don't overhype him because he scored two goals in one game come on I know I know that football Twitter likes to do that when a player has a good one good game but he's been average or sort of minimum requirements for a United starter otherwise so yeah McTominay's been a bit of a weird one where um, I think he's done well when he's played box to box like he did against Leeds but uh, when he plays that defensive midfielder he just doesn't look the up to standard I don't think anyway no I mean but against Leeds anyone seems to be looking like a goal threat at the moment um, which 
I think if we talk about Bielsa's system, that will lead us on quite nicely to our final section in terms of sackings. Um, of course, special mention and a round of applause uh, for Slavon Bilic being the first Premier League manager to be sacked. Yeah, um, he didn't even get sacked because of how they were performing, I don't think. He got sacked because of some stuff off the field, which is yeah. kind of bizarre. But uh, yeah, I'm surprised there hasn't been more, to be honest. Yeah, and this is something for you guys, if you're following us on Twitter, um, quick shout out, the Twitter handle will be in the description of this podcast, so please do go follow us. And if you are listening and you want to get involved, we've made a little list of managers who we think are next in the sacking race. Um, some of them, me and Dan don't quite agree with, as we talked about with Chris Wilder, who I have put on the list. Um, I mean, so... he could be sacked, but I just don't think Sheffield United will sack him. If it was any other club, he would be sacked, I think. I, I think they will, but I've put together a little uh, five-man list for you, Dan, and I'm going to go down there, and I want you to let me know what you think. Obviously, we know our opinions on Chris Wilder. Yep. Uh, next on my list is Scott Parker. Um, I like him, um, mostly because I don't know if you've seen all the videos of his post-match interviews being put onto the music by the streets. Uh, I find them yeah. very funny, and uh, yeah. so for that reason alone, I'd like him to not get sacked. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, looking at it, I think you know Fulham. Actually, they've got two games in hand right now, so if they win those, they could move up to sixteenth. So I think I don't think he'll get sacked right now. I think he could still keep him up, but I think you know if they go down, then I think they probably will sack him. Yeah, um, that's fair enough. The next one I've got on my list is Frank Lampard, Mr. Moneybags, uh, spent, what, £200 million in the summer? Yeah, he spent too much money. He spent too much money on players who aren't performing and Chelsea now in eighth. So they're not they're in that, what was it, you know, seven-point title contention, but they look shite. Yeah, I, I mean, we're recording this just after the loss to Man City where they looked truly terrible. And, uh, City they, tore them apart. Yeah, they lost three one, but it easily could have been, you know, like a six one or something like that. Like if they it, were honestly terrible. If it wasn't for a couple of good saves by Mendy, yeah, we were looking at probably five or six. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh. it's I, I don't know. I I liked Frank last year when you know he had to work with all the youngsters and everything, and they had like a really clear you know style of play, and they were quite good. But I don't know. I think this season. The players he's brought in haven't gelled. They haven't even performed, you know, as individuals. I think they've all been pretty poor. And I think certainly against the other teams in the top six, they've not done well at all. And I think, you know, Chelsea, as much as Lampard's kind of a legend there, they're not the kind of club that will tolerate poor results. So I could definitely see him getting the sack pretty soon. Yeah. We know what Abramovich is like when managers. It is... It's a merry-go-round of, you know, you put your 50p in, you get, what, half a season? Then your ride's over, see you later. Yeah, yeah, I definitely could see him gone, you know, like I said, quickly. Like, not even until the end of the season, I think. If he doesn't get top four, or if the team doesn't pick up performances, then I don't think he's got any chance. Yeah. Um, The next two I've put on the list, maybe a little bit controversial, Um. 
first of all, I've put Arteta. Now I know Arsenal have picked up their form recently, and I've I've personally have called for Arsenal to stick with a manager long enough for him to implement this system and back him in the transfer market. Having said that, if Arsenal's form dips again, do you think Arteta will be gone? Um, I mean, I think yeah, you know they they went on that horrible run, and I think. What was it like six games without a win, or maybe even six losses in a row? Nearly, I think if that run had continued to you know eleven, twelve games, then yeah, he would have been sacked. But I think because they've turned the corner and because they look good again, I think you know give him at least till the end of the season because it is a a rebuilding project there for Arteta, and I I quite like him. You know, I think now that he's kind of getting back to having his own philosophy, he could be a really good manager, and. You know, I think, you know, they should keep him. And like I said, at least to the end of the season. You know, give him that at least. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, as long as they keep playing the way they played in the last three games. And I know everyone was going, Arsenal are back. You beat West Brom. Yeah. No, I mean, Arsenal not, aren't back, but they're less further away than they were. Arsenal for a few games have performed at minimum requirements for a big team in England. They're not back. So if the form continues for another four, five, six games with some top performances against difficult sides, then yes, Arsenal back and Arteta has sorted them out. But not for beating West Brom. Yeah, I mean, like I said, they're definitely not the finished article. It's part of a larger project and I think from what you hear behind the scenes, they're quite happy with Arteta, apparently, from you know what the rumours yeah. are. So I hope that they do stick with him and, like you said at the start, back him in the transfer window because that would be really be the test of how he can turn around this Arsenal team is when he gets actual you know quality players into it. Yeah. Um, speaking of managers who are being backed by the teams, but some people are calling for their heads. We look at Leeds as my final suggestion uh, with Bielsa. Should he still be there? Because, I mean, defensively, they're woeful. His system is mad. It's fun to watch. It always leads to an open game. But it doesn't win them football matches. Is Bielsa potentially in line for the chop? Um, I don't think so. Not at all. I mean... Look at Leeds where they are, the twelfth, you know, level on points of Arsenal, you know, twelve points clear of the drop. Um yeah, I think, you know, Leeds, as long as they don't get relegated, they're having a good season, you know. I think people need to forget of need to remember that it's been a long time since they're in the Premier League. And I think you look at their squads that, you know, they don't have as quality players as a lot of the teams in the league. And I think, you know, Bielsa got them there and I think he deserves to keep them there and I think he will. So I think any anyone asking for Leeds to sack Bielsa is ridiculous, to be honest. Yeah, but can you understand it to an extent? Like, you know, Leeds seem to win a game convincingly and then get battered. You know, the 6-2 against United, against one of your biggest rivals, if not your biggest rival, to concede six. It's Yeah, but that's what being a, a mid-table team is in the Premier League. You know, you, you can either be like that or you can be like a... I don't know, a Crystal Palace that's going to win one game 1-0 and draw a couple 1-1. You know, it's what What do you prefer to watch? Do you want to, you know, at least have the potential to be a really entertaining attacking team? And yeah, you're going to lose some games heavily, but 
you're going to be entertained and you're going to stay up anyway, I think, anyway. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I get why some people might be like, oh, no, I, I want someone else in, but not for me. No. I, I, I think I'm on the fence on this one. I think it depends on his January form. I really think that that would side because I think they will say enough's enough. We need to stay in the Premier League. It's taken us so long to get back here, and we can't take the risk. Yeah, I but think, they're, know, they're not even like in danger of relegation right now. Uh, and there's so many worse teams below them. Yeah, but the thing is, you never know which Leeds team is going to turn up, do you? It's they could turn up. You know, this is a Leeds team that put in a wonderful four-three performance against Liverpool at the beginning of the season, and then could go and lose two-nil to Fulham because of the way they play. I mean, okay, that expects Fulham to have some semblance of defensive stability, but it's it's a risk, and I'm just not... Sh- are you prepared to risk your Premier League survival over, the, over that? Uh, with the way this season's going, it's only going to take two or three losses on the row and another team to have a purple patch, and then suddenly you're in a relegation battle. I don't know. I, I, I could understand it if, you know, they were, you know, 15th, 16th, but... We're up at 12th. I mean, you know, they're 12 points clear of relegation and they're only six points off the top four. <laughs> so, you know, you look at the flip side, if they, you know, do get the defence sword, then they could finish at the top four, you know. So it's that kind of year. And I think, I don't know, I, I, I just don't think anyone should even be thinking about sacking him. I think it's, it's just ridiculous. After how many managers failed at Leeds to get them promoted and you finally get the one guy in who, who can get you promoted and you want to sack him because... Year twelve, I don't know. That that's just ridiculous to me. Yeah, I've, I've, it, when you put it that way, it sounds cool. But I think it, January could see it. It's it's a risky style of play, and as I say, I'm not entirely convinced with the way the season's shaping up that it's a risk worth taking over your Premier League survival. But I guess we'll have to agree to disagree on Bielsa. I told you it was going to be a controversial one. It is. We're back with a bang, you know? Yeah, and I, it, please do join in the debate around Bielsa um, in on Twitter. You know, Let us know what you think if you are listening and you are on Twitter because it's, it's an interesting one to see. Me and Dan very rarely disagree on these sorts of things, but this is one that has just lit that touch paper, just giving just, it a little, a little tickle. <laughs> giving it a little tickle. Um, before we end, any highlights of the footballing week for you Dan um I don't know really it's just it's good to be back talking about it I think that's probably the highlight yeah you know probably the highlight yeah back having the conversations a little disagreement about Bielsa um but yeah no it's it's all good it's all fun it's it's good to be back have to agree it's good to be back and one thing I do have to add to highlights of the week Soccer AM Ian Holloway top bins I'll have to check it out this is a stupid Pendous volley, as Chris Eubank would say. It ah, oh, Yeah, I'm a big fan of Holloway, so I'll, you know I have to give that a look. Yeah, well, it's, he's a great manager. He's responsible for a couple of great footballing moments, a couple of great footballing interviews as well. Yeah. His opinion on Cristiano Ronaldo was gold. Probably my favourite ever for football interview. That one. Yeah. For those of you who aren't aware, do go check it out. It's, it is fantastic. Yeah, it's brilliant. But with that, it's time to end. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll be back next week, back on our regular 
weekly schedule. Till then, keep yourself safe, and we'll see you later.